after the death of George Floyd, um, there was a lot of activity, um, you know, for better or for worse, um, that came um, across both sides of the pond, uh, with a lot of uh, initiatives in the U.S. You know, be being very much focused on how do we support black businesses, how do we support black founders. That's Deborah Choi, the co-founder of Boss, previously Horticure before merging. It's a German plant care startup connecting people with the knowledge, service and products needed for happy indoor houseplants. She joins us here today on the Black Founders podcast hosted by Hoka, the house of Kurt Henderson. Hey, Deborah, it's fantastic to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Kurt. I'm super excited. So today, as we've done with our previous podcast guests, we'll be talking about your journey, what you're most passionate about, and then exploring our four exciting challenges, which will be explained in more detail just before we start each round. But first, tell us about yourself and Horticure, your startup. Sure. So... Um... A bit, a bit about me. So uh, I am Nigerian-American. I was born in Nigeria. I am Igbo. Mm -hmm. And uh, my family moved to the U.S. when I was quite young, when I was three. So I grew up in uh, a small university town in the Midwest. And um, mm -hmm. like, um, say, many Nigerians, I thought that the future for me would be very traditional. So I went to University of Chicago I studied political science. I thought I would go on to law school. Um, I was thinking that, you know, especially being the child of immigrants, um, a secure future was, um, you know, kind of the right next step. But it was really mm -hmm. at university where I got kind of open to a lot of other opportunities that could be there for me. And in fact, it was also mm -hmm. where I started my first startup. So um, I, my first startup, I began with two other co-founders in the early 2000s. And um, we were, uh, we had built essentially a, a fashion brand online. Uh, we were sourcing vintage apparel and selling that across the U.S. And um, we got a ton of support from the university. Um, I and my co-founders wow. were not biz business majors. So, um, you know, basic <laughs> things like vocabulary. Um, to more, say, nitty-gritty things like, you know, our mentors saying it might be good to take an accounting class at the business school uh, were, were so instrumental for us in um, becoming business people, um, but also being successful in that first venture. So after five years, we built uh, the business uh, to a point where we could sell it. And um, that's when I packed my bags, actually, and left Chicago and moved to New York and um, actually didn't look back. I was completely uh, in love with consumer marketing, um, with digital, with online, with the challenges of selling a product online, um, and um, kind of completely said goodbye to what I thought was, um, you know, the path laid out for me. And um, over the course of, say, the next... 10, almost 15 years, um, my career has been very solidly on a few topics. So um, consumer marketing, media and business development. Um, I've had the privilege to be a founder a few times before Horticure, which I'll get to. Um, so, you know, after that first venture, I launched with another co-founder, a media startup. Um, I 
also had some time where I was running a marketing agency for some years in New York uh, that was working with mm -hmm. uh, various startups that were looking to expand their, their businesses into the U.S. So we were working with um, actually really amazing teams from the U.K., from Europe, uh, from Tel Aviv, from South America on their uh, consumer marketing. And um, right. when I moved to Europe, so I've now been living in Berlin, uh, Germany for the last five years. Um, I would also say okay. that that was not something I thought would happen for me. Um, but I moved <laughs> here for, say, family reasons. Um, you know, I, I decided, you know, to first take uh, a position here um, at a really interesting startup called Monarchy. Um, they were mm -hmm. a competitor to Made.com or, or West Wing, uh, selling uh, home furnishings and, and home design. And I was um, there overseeing uh, international expansion, uh, in general mm -hmm. business optimization, um, and then also um, kind of launching new um, acquisition channels like partnerships and affiliate for them. And I stayed there for two years until I felt like it was time to finally get back into the founder seat again. Um, so mm -hmm. I launched Horticure um, two years ago. And Horticure uh, is essentially an on-demand platform that links together plant parents, if you will, along with mm -hmm. uh, vetted plant experts. And um, I actually started this, um, this, this newest venture uh, because I really um, sympathized and, and lived the experience of many of our customers. Um, I would mm -hmm. always buy plants, um, often from the wrong places, like Ikea, <laughs> and, um, you know, bring them home. We'll and, cut that bit out. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, from Swedish furniture houses. And, um, you know, bring home a plant or two, bring home soil, bring home pots, figure out how to do that in different cities that I've lived in. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. if I was lucky a few months later, but very often a few weeks later, all those plants would die. Um, and I mm -hmm. felt that there had to be a better way to enter this category. Um, so with Horticure, uh, we were operating in a few different cities in Europe and also in the U.S. Uh, with both offline and online, um, say, private gardeners to support people in their homes and also in their offices. Um, and um, more recently, uh, so at the end of last year, um, I made the decision to merge uh, my business with another um, player in my, in my category uh, here in Berlin called Bosk. And, um, you know, the future for us, uh, 2021 and beyond, is still being shaped. Um, but this is um, a really exciting chapter uh, for me um, as we're, you know, working to build essentially a more holistic approach to not only caring for plants, but also buying them um, together. Wow, it's super exciting. Oh, wow, what an incredible journey that you've, you've been on to get to this point. Um, and how have you seen the, the uptake from consumers um, with, with Horticure? Yeah, so, um, you know, what's been really interesting with our step uh, initially into just the service side um, was, you know, the kind of the, the creative ways that people made use of that time with, um, you know, essentially their plant doctor. Um, so, you know, we had some customers who 
where I would say really plant beginners, um, you know, pointing to a plant and saying it's a green thing, but I have no clue what kind of plant it is um, or how much water it needs or where I should place it in my home to um, say, you know, individuals who I would say are more experienced, um, who are looking to upskill. So maybe they were already quite successful at maintaining their plants, but yeah. um, they wanted to do a tricky kind of propagation, which is like um, a separation of, of a plant and then, you know, the growth of, of new, new leaves um, from the, say, mother plant, which is, mm. um, you know, not something that beginners necessarily want to start dabbling into. Um, all the way to, you know, people walking through a brand new empty apartment and saying, tell me what should be on my shopping list. Um, so, so that has been, um, you know, quite fun to see, um, you know, what people do when they have a service like this um, at their fingertips. That's super interesting because it's almost like, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's, I hate to I hate to compare it, but it's like when you go and buy a car, you get to test drive it. You know, the, the salesperson will then ask you, um, "How often are you going to be driving this car? How many? What's the average mileage that you that you drive per month or per year? Um, or what kind of comfort are you looking for? Are you looking for something more sporty or just comfortable? Are you a family, or is it just you and you yourself driving, or you and your partner driving?" So it's, it's very similar. It's almost like you're walking these customers through individual experiences in choosing a plant. So as our listeners may not know, I've spoken to you before and you helped me choose a plant. And I've chosen that plant based around my lifestyle. My lifestyle is a bit choppy. I'm, I'm here one day and then I'm there the next. Um, so I, effectively, I wanted a plant that could, I could keep alive and I don't have to keep killing off. Um so you recommended to me to get a snake plant because I didn't have to, to water it as, as frequently. And so far, it's been the joy of my life sitting next to me during these, these COVID periods, um, giving me so much greenery and positive energy. Um, so it's super interesting. So it's almost like you create these customer journeys for people um, of, of which plants to choose and, and how to look after them. Yeah, Was that the intention that you started with? Um, it you know, you really hit the nail on the head with the analogy with, um, you know, you know, buying a car that actually it's about how how you want to drive it and what your lifestyle is, and what your goals are. And, um, you know, I, I, I realized this with with Porticure that, um, you know, it really it really is about the person's lifestyle. And, you know, I think that a lot of people who are, say, who feels unsuccessful with plants or would say that they do not have green thumbs, um, you know, maybe make their purchases uh, off of what looks good on Instagram or, you know, just what seems to be the shiniest or biggest or greenest leaf in the garden center. Um, and, you know, that that's not bad because it's still a wonderful thing to bring greenery and plants indoors for our own wellness. Um, but there could just be so much more satisfaction if it's really aligned with your um, how you live, what your goals are. So, for example, you know, we've had, um, you know, customers where, um, you know, they're saying, you know, we, we have no plants at home. Uh, we'd love to bring plants indoors. And our experts always ask, well, you know, do you have pets? Do you plan to have pets? 
um, maybe we could suggest to you um, a wonderful selection of plants that are non-toxic in case you have uh, a new puppy or, or kitten uh, in your future planning. And that's something that sometimes people say, oh, wow, I didn't even think about this. Um, but of course, it's important mm -hmm. to, um, you know, to think, to, to, to fill our home in a way that is holistic with how we, how we use that space. It's incredible. Um, if you have any tips on how to prevent cats from digging up the soil in plants, <laughs> I would gladly <laughs> take them. <laughs> So Deborah, for your first challenge, you'll be exploring your multitasking skills, answering questions <laughs> that I've prepared for you whilst playing the game T-Rex Runner. The longer you stay alive over the course of a minute, the more points you'll get. There's three rounds with a maximum of 15 points. Alrighty. So I hope you're ready. That's five points per round. So are you feeling ready to get started? Okay. So, for your first question, what's the most frequent question you get asked about plant care and why? When should I water the plant? <laughs> and um, it's, um, it's a good question because I would say roughly 80 to 85% of plant issues boil down to over or under watering. Um, so if you do get the watering mm -hmm. right, it solves um, the majority of problems that can ensue afterwards. Um, so that's the most popular question. Okay, great. Really good information there. Um, yeah, you did all right there. That's good for your first uh, answer. <laughs> <laughs> Second question. Uh -huh. So for all the plant murderers out there, What's a good starting plant for their home? Okay, so I would say actually one of two, either the Monstera deliciosa, uh, which is also sometimes called the Swiss cheese plant because of the holes in the leaves. It's one of, it's a really classic plant. Um, it's, it, it, there's also a hashtag for it called Monstera Monday, which I think has like over... 500,000 followers uh, or more at this point um, wow. and it's popular for a reason it's it's beautiful it's um, really fairly easy to care for you water it every two weeks or so um, and it responds with beautiful kind of architectural leaves um, the other one that I would recommend is actually the one I recommended you so the Sansevieria family okay. or the snake plant and, um, you know, these are, are, they're called a snake plant because of these really cool kind of markings on, um, on the leaves, which just kind of sprout up from, um, sprout up, sprout up from the earth of it. And, um, you know, one thing I also personally love about the Sansevieria is that, you know, it comes from West Africa. Um, uh, historically, this is like its native climate and it's, it's a plant that grows in, say arid or desert regions and um, doesn't need a lot of water. Um, naturally when the rain comes it'll kind of hold as much as it can in, in its leaves which is why its leaves are quite thick. Um, but what that means for having this in your home is that um, you know you water it once a month um, in the summer, in the winter maybe it's every uh, one and a half months. Um, super super easy care. Mm -hmm. So these are the two that I would recommend. 
Incredible. Well, thanks for that information. <laughs> and thanks for the recommendation on the snake plant. I love it. Yeah. So the final question, and I see you've been doing a lot of tree jumping. <laughs> Between the countries that you've lived in, Nigeria, the USA and Germany, which one has inspired you on your journey to become more a green farmer and why? Oh, really good question. Um, I would have to say that it's actually maybe none of the above. Um, so, you know, home for me is many different places. And um, a good friend of mine very famously said that home, um, you know, home is where we feel local. And um, I, I truly believe that. So although I've never lived um, in terms of like a residency in any way in Marrakesh, um, it's actually one of the places that I, um, at least mm. before COVID, would go to as often as I could um, for a few reasons. And one of those main reasons was um, the nature, the terrain, the idea right. that, you know, you look up, you see mountains, the Atlas Mountains, um, everything mm. grows almost like weeds. Um, mm. And there's just so much nature to admire um, in its uh, so to speak, kind of natural environment. So, you know, growing up in North America, now living in Northern Europe, um, you know, greenery uh, outside is, um, I wouldn't say it's monoculture, but it's just not as variegated as in, um, you know, sunnier, warmer, or even more tropical areas naturally. So, um, you know, I just draw a lot of inspiration from the natural world. Incredible. And that's just a point of reference on that. I'm guessing you stayed in the Riyads in, in Morocco as well. It's super yes. green. I love I love Riyads. Personally, one of my <laughs> favorite kind of environments to stay in. <laughs> yeah, so, so um, inherently communal um, and open. Um, this idea that the sky is part of the home. Um, of course, this is quite tricky to do if we're talking about London or Berlin. Um, but um, it, it is a different kind of living for sure. Well, thanks for sharing. Um, and well done on the task. Um, so <laughs> for the you. first question, you got two points for that. Okay. The second question, you got one point. And the final question, you got one okay. point. Out of how many points? Now, <laughs> <laughs> total you can get for that round is 15 points. Okay, okay. And each question is five points maximum. Okay, Congrats on that. So your total points for that round is four points. So Deborah, I'm really keen to know about your passions and the movements in which you support and champion. One of them that springs to mind is Tech in Color, which I know you've been working on alongside Elena and Stephanie. Yeah. Tell us about the journey up to date and what's next for yes. the three of you as an organization. Oh, thank you for asking. So, um, you know, with Tech in Color, let me start with what, what we are. Um, so... Tech and Color is a platform with, I would say, a very large mission. Um, we want to connect and um, support uh, the startups across Europe that are led by Black, Asian, and minority ethnic female founders, so BAME female founders. And, um, you know, it's not just because we are also um, BAME female founders ourselves, me being uh, Nigerian-American and Alina being Indian-British, um, it goes a bit beyond that. And, um, you know, also, I have to say, being an American here in Europe, 
I, I really see a, a lot of differences in where the conversation is when people talk about diversity. And, um, you know, really with 2020, with everything that kind of came about and came up after the death of George Floyd, um, there was a lot of activity, um, you know, for better or for worse, um, that came um, across both sides of the pond. Uh, with a lot of uh, initiatives in the U.S., you know, b- being very much focused on how do we support black businesses, how do we support black founders. And uh, what was interesting to see was, um, you know, the different ways the European response came around. So, um, you know, there was... In some cases, I felt kind of a, a trying to copy-paste um, initiatives that were happening in America, in, say, Germany or other parts of uh, continental Europe um, that completely have a different history uh, with race and with different groups and um, different migration flows into the country. Um, so, you know, with, with Tech in Color, um, you know, we decided that um, it's, it's incredibly inf- important to support underrepresented founders, full stop, um, that we are one of the actors on this larger topic and, um, you know, decided that our focus would be on baby female founders because especially when we started um, developing this concept for, you know, a platform that helped baby female founders get funding, get ready for funding, get to know each other, um, you know, we, we just didn't see anything like it in late 2019. And with Tech in Colour, you guys are working with Techstars, Google and Silicon Alley and London, London and Partners. Yeah, so I'd have to say that, um, you know, we got so much inspiration coming out of um, a accelerator program run by Google for startups that was designed for women. So mm. this is how Alina and I met um, in uh, 2019. So we were part of the Google for Startups Female Founders Program, and it was the first accelerator program where um, it was had this kind of diversity focus, um, in this case, women. And um, we were amazed by the amount of support and um, just how different and candid the conversations were when there was this other dimension to what we were talking about. So, you know, we left this program, it was a cohort of 17 uh, founders with a WhatsApp group that is still active today. Um, You know, we help each other with all the ins and outs. It's like, have you talked to this fund? Um, Can you make an introduction? Um, Here's a speaking engagement. Who wants to take the seat? Um, It's the boys club, but for us. And, um, you know, with Google for Startups, Google being such a, you know, I would say, very active player in supporting early stage companies. Um, they gave us tremendous visibility. Back when you could go to events, we went to Slush in Helsinki and all got the opportunity to speak on the Google stage. And, um, you know, when Alina and I left that, um, that program, you know, we kind of just looked at each other and the question was almost just hanging in the air um, when we said to each other, uh, what would it look like if, you know, we had a similar club or community of minority females um, like this Google program. And, um, you know, we didn't initially plan to build a platform ourselves um, on top of running our own startups, on top of, uh, in my case, being a mother. 
um, but when we started looking, we found that there there was no such program that we could um, simply apply to in a European context. And that's when we decided, okay, um, it's maybe time to take the first step and make make the first um, wave in this conversation. Um, us being not event directors or event professionals in any sense, <laughs> uh, we reached back out to you know Google for startups initially. And our first, say, yeah. idea for this was to do an in-person event in April 2020 um, in Berlin, uh. fly in, um, you know, amazing BAME female founders from across Europe, have great speakers who are both BAME uh, female founders who've raised capital as well as BAME um, female mm-hmm. VCs, so the other side of the table. And as you can imagine, um, those plans went out the window with everything that transpired with uh, COVID-19 last year. And so, um, you know, we then took, a, we took some time to regroup on, you know, how to make an impactful event online and decided also to spend a bit more time just talking with, um, you know, BAME female founders to understand, well, what's the most pressing need? And that's when we decided, okay, this fall we're going to do a virtual-only program, um, given COVID-19. And we're going to make the topic and the focus be on facilitating warm introductions between uh, BAME female founders and amazing VC funds. And, um, you know, to do that, okay. we, um, we absolutely needed support. And we got amazing support from Google for Startups, uh, Techstars, uh, Silicon Alley, which is based here in Berlin, and also London and Partners. And these four organizations supported us from both, say, an operational and also outreach perspective um, to get the word out to as many founders as possible and to really help us draw in some of the amazing VC funds that were committed to supporting Tech in Color and to, you know, basically opening up those, those hours in, in the week um, to specifically talk uh, with BAME female founders um, for potential funding. Um, so the result of last year was we had um, selected 25 uh, BAME founders and facilitated 60 warm introductions um, across um, a really amazing lineup of BC funds, including the likes of um, Atlantic Labs, uh, Cherry Ventures, B2V, mm-hmm. Creandum, um, Playfair. So a really amazing group of, of funds as well. And um, <clears throat> afterwards, so this, this happened in November of last year, we did another regroup and we thought, okay, let's, let's talk with the funds, let's talk with the founders, let's understand um, you know, where to take Tech & Color next uh, going into this year. And, um, you know, those conversations brought up a lot of really interesting things. We learned from some of the founders that they felt in some ways a bit unprepared for that big meeting, Um, whether it was, you know, the the terminology um, that, you know, VCs will will throw out, like, is it a capped or uncapped raise and and these kinds of things, or, you know, just, you know, not feeling prepared for their pitch or not feeling that it was really... Um, at the right stage for that conversation. And so, you know, taking that feedback in, we decided that this year was going to be all about uh, investor readiness. So um, practicing negotiation, getting the pitch down, um, you know, having an amazing pitch deck, 
all the um, financial data in order, um, all the terminology, really prepping, um, you know, mm-hmm. BAME female founders who are looking to fundraise with um, the confidence, um, the language, the preparation uh, to be as successful as possible. Um, so this is uh, a bit of a teaser into what's coming up uh, with Tech and Color for, for this year. <laughs> I'm excited. Wow, this is in, this is incredible stuff, Deborah, and so inspirational. Um, what you what you're doing um, with Tech and Color, and I'm sure there's so many things that um, BAME female founders and just female founders in general can can learn from the likes of you and and your and your your co-founders. Um, Thank you. Um, in Tech and Color. Um, incredible stuff and I'd love to hear more about it and I hope for those listening um, there's something from that that we can all take from it and yeah um, Deborah is available if you need to reach out or to anyone in the Tech and Color team So here we are at the second challenge it's the presentation round you'll have to pitch a new startup idea curated by myself (laughs) We'll go through the problem, the solution, and of course, the business model, all within a few slides. Oh, wow. So obviously, you haven't seen any of these slides that you'll be presenting, but this is a test of your improv skills, which I know you're very good at. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) You'll be able to earn up to a maximum of 15 points, so... That's five points to your confidence, believability, and how well you answer any of the questions. And for all you listeners, you can find the visual slides on my website at kurthenderson.com slash podcast. So are you ready to take the stage? Yes, and excited. Ladies and gentlemen, please give a very warm welcome to our next guest, pitcher of the Startup Pitchers Awards 2021 Deborah. Thank you. So I'd like to start with presenting the problem. There are 8 billion people in the world, and there are approximately 30 billion houses. Now, did you know at least 20% of houses end up going up in flames? We're trying to stop that with your local firefighters. Your local firefighters is bringing those fighting fires to your door quicker. Next. Here's the problem again. On average, it takes eight minutes for a firefighter to respond to fires. And if we're talking about several billion houses, that's a lot of time. The other problem is that the water that's used to wash away the fire is simply too pure and doesn't contain any healthy minerals. And finally, firefighters on average uh, tend to be grumpy and therefore they're not really providing an exciting experience to the fire customer. We're trying to change all of that. Trying to change it from being too slow on pure water and a poor and fragmented user experience. Now, I'd like to draw your attention to Ada. Ada waited and waited while her shed was on fire. Uh, Eventually, the firefighters arrived, but with attitude, asking what the problem was, kissing their teeth, signs dropping, and then that shed burned down before they could even start. They couldn't save her lawnmower. 
what she had received um, from her late mother. Uh, Ada said it was a completely horrible experience and that 400 pound lawnmower was also gone. So this is where your local firefighter steps in. Here's our solution. Well, we started with an app because most people also have smartphones. Um, so our app allows people to request a local firefighter, kind of like hailing a, a cab with, with Uber. And what this means is that it's a quicker response time to your fire. Locals can grab a fire extinguisher and run in and support. Uh, there's a whole social element to our app. Great service. Everyone will know you and respect you, um, especially when you have a burning house or, or shed. And finally, that critical problem of unpure water, which I know it might be hard to understand why that matters when something is burning down. But it's incredibly important because, you know, when things burn, it's excess carbon and we need pure water to fight the fire so that the ground um, doesn't end up with too much carbon in it. So we water with a lower dissolved solid, uh, which ends up being a healthier diet for the earth and, and for you. So what's going on in our market? As I mentioned, there's a lot of houses and there's a lot of peoples, but let's narrow in on our target market, our test market. So in England in 2019, there was almost 200,000 fires across the country. And there's only just over 30,000 firemen throughout the UK. This means fire tech is ripe for disruption. So uh, just quickly, Deborah, um, you just tell us how the, the product works because I feel like I've seen something like this in, in the past, uh, maybe for another existing product. You know, I'm an investor, so I get loads of you know, deal, deal flow. Um, so if you could just tell us how this product is so different, just how does it work? work. Yeah, so if you are familiar with our category, fire tech, you probably know our closest competitor, um, your best firefighter. We're your local firefighter. So I'm gonna explain how it works. So here's a picture of our app. And here's Daniel. Um, you know, he has a fire and he, um, you know, he has five stars. So we also have a, a rating system, which does set us apart. Um, and what this is showing you is, you know, if you want to come and help Daniel, um, you know, and bring your, your water hose, you can, and you can trust that Daniel's a great guy, a fantastic guy, because he's got five <laughs> out of five stars. Um, so this also builds trust in our platform in a way that our competitors just mm. really can't touch. Wow, incredible. And, you know, just on the basis of, of, of going to help people, aren't there any like health and safety issues around this, of running into a fire, surely? Yeah, so we have a really um, long terms and conditions. Um, that also sets us apart. I think it's currently around 150 pages to scroll through in our app. So, you know, we trust that our users know how to read. Uh, because they have houses, and um, you know, this ensures that you know they know what they're signing up for. Mm -hmm. Brilliant, excellent. And tell us about the business model. Glad you asked. So I'm going to walk you through our business model. 
um, you know, we're focused on increasing that response time and service for, for residents, starting off with uh, the UK. Um, so we have a few different things in the mix. We have a bidding model. Um, so you can set a bid and then wait and see, you know, if, you know, asking for someone to come and save you four or five pounds is enough or not. You know, it's, it's really up to the market. Um, minimum starts at typically 10 pounds per hour. We take 20%. Um, we also give to some charities, of course. And, um, you know, total fires per year, because, you know, fires is a hot and growing category, uh, means that we're going to net um, just under 2 million pounds uh, in our first year. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, that's quite... It's quite ambitious, those, those numbers. If I can say, it's hot. Um, love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you for explaining them. So this whole bidding model, to me, uh, I, I like it. I like it. And I think that there definitely there is definitely a place in the market for it. But it, I'm just curious to know, if your house is on fire, surely you don't have time to bid for someone to accept that bid and to come and save you? Is there a faster process? How does this, how is this actually speeding up the process? Yeah, so, you know, we have the bidding process. That's a transactional model, but don't worry, we're also coming up with a really sweet subscription. So, you know, we've, we've, we've learned in our first uh, few months of, <clears throat> of operating that there is, you know, a high percentage of our users who are highly prone to um, getting into fire situations. Um, that being said, they're willing to pay a fee each month um, for quicker access to support. Excellent. Wow. Big fan of subscription models. Big fan. So tell us about what your users are saying about this product. Like, what's been the feedback? Well, um, you know, we feel that our main KPI is, are we stopping the fires? And, you know, Rivers and Robots Magazine agrees. Um, you know, they're, when it comes to fire tech, they've been covering this category for years. Um, so they've said, and I quote, um, it didn't keep my fire burning. Um, the other part of that sentence is, we stopped the fire. Um, you know, Francis, um, good friend, good friend of um, your local firefighter said, I don't always use YLF uh, for fires, but sometimes I want to feel lit. And now I do, most times. Um, so, you know, we're finding that we're unlocking new revenue channels entirely. I mean, we started off with fires, but who knows? Um, it's an open sky for us, and we could start to dabble with <laughs> other categories like water or air. Um, Scarlett has also noted that, um, you know, she placed a bid, um, and that was it. It was fast. And, you know, she even made a friend after her fire was extinguished. Daniel stayed for a cup of tea and biscuits. So, you know, some people are even using this as almost a dating app. Um, there's just, there's a lot there when we start with fire and, um, you know, we're, we're seeing that the future is bright. <laughs> wow, this, this, is, this has so much potential to expand into new markets. So I'm curious, so tell us how much you're raising and why. Yeah, so, you know, our team, uh, we're just looking to complete our seed round right now. We're raising 800K, um, that's in pounds. And if you're interested, here's my, my contact email. Um, we are um, looking to close this round in the next couple weeks. We've got a lot of um, 
really great investors um, looking at our information. So, um, you know, if you are interested, act now. Because, um, you know, not a day goes by with more fires happening across the UK and the world. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Deborah, for pitching today. And if anyone's interested in investing, please contact her after the show. Thank you so much, Deborah. That was fun. <laughs> that was so well delivered. <laughs> Your composure, by the way, is excellent. <laughs> I think I've been in pitch mode for too long, but that was really fun. <laughs> I can definitely tell that it's just natural that like you do this in your sleep. <laughs> I feel like anything I threw on those screens, you would find a way to pitch it and make it sound very believable. So for believability, I'm going to give you five out of five hands down. Oh, cool. Confidence has to be five out of five. Um, and the questions in, in how you manage to... Um, to turn them around and make them sound so compelling, especially when I asked you about the, um, when I said there's a competitive product on the market and you talked about the terms and conditions, <laughs> very long terms and conditions. I absolutely love that. <laughs> and to quote, our users have houses so they can read. <laughs> Incredible. That was, that was fantastic. <laughs> So for our third challenge, you had to perform a fake product ad. As you probably already know by now, we haven't got a sponsor okay. yet. These concept ideas are inspired by the bored Elon Musk parody Twitter account and then turned into advert scripts. Okay. You will be awarded two points based on your efforts. So here's the tweet you'll be turning into an ad today. And by the way, feel free to spice it up. A TV that automatically turns on subtitles when it recognises by your facial expressions that you're having trouble hearing dialogue. Oh, that would be cool. Good luck with that one. Ready? And now to hear from our sponsor. Huh? With TV Autobub, we use deep tech, AI, ML, NLP, and other buzzwords to scan your confused facial expressions when you're having trouble hearing dialogue. Oh, that's what they're saying. A BEM product. Terms and conditions apply. So for our last and final round, is it wrong or is it right? You'll simply have to guess three true or false questions okay. with the opportunity to earn a maximum of six points. That's two points per question. Are you feeling ready? Yes. So for our first question, Elon Musk has been often referred to as a trillionaire. True or false? False. The answer is true. Oh. A new class of high-tech entrepreneurs looking to use their wealth to make science fiction dreams into modern reality. That's the frillionaire. Interesting. <laughs> frillionaire. <laughs> <laughs> probably that the Jeff Bezos is of the world as well. Mm. Probably go under that category. Um, second question. Ariana Huffington was the founder 
of the Huffington Post. True or false? True. Absolutely correct. Ariana Huffington was the founder and editor-in-chief of the Huffington Post and has a net worth of $50 million. And the final question, Larry Page is worth roughly around the same amount as Jeff Bezos. True or false? False. Absolutely correct. Jeff Bezos is worth a whooping $117 billion more than Larry Page, coming in at a net worth of $182 billion. It's crazy. Hard to fathom that one, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, really hard. <laughs> <laughs> so congrats on on that round. You got a total of four points in that true or false Thank round. you. So, Deborah, that takes you to a grand total of 25 points out of 30. Awesome. I'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Big winnings, big winnings. Congrats. But just before we wrap up, are there any tips or words of advice you can leave our listeners today that you wish you knew at an earlier stage in your business journey or just at an earlier stage in your life? Um, You know, I would say, given that this is about black founders, um, I've had so much, um, you know, I think so much of my journey has been shaped by the other founders that I've met who are also minorities, um, you know, whether that is black or or Indian or Asian, um, you know there there are some amazing links that can be made that make the journey, which can sometimes, as a founder, feel very lonely, um, and as a minority founder, sometimes feel quite difficult, um, slightly less so. Um, so you know, my tip, and it's also kind of what is what works for me, uh, is to to make that network. Um, I, I think that sometimes it's even less about the geography. Um, so some of my really close friends who are, you know, black women building things um, are scattered around the world. And, um, you know, we, we keep in touch, we support each other, we celebrate our wins, we kind of work out uh, the challenges and figure out, okay, what's step one, step two together. Um, and that has been... Mm-hmm incredibly important um, for me to keep going. Um, so I think that finding that community or joining ones like Tech and Color, um, you know, that are trying to make that happen for, um, you know, certain groups, it's a really key part of the journey. Such a key and powerful message. Thank you for sharing that with us. So powerful, so powerful. And thanks for being on the show today, Deborah. Thank you, Kurt. It's the Hoka Podcast, the Black Founders series. We look forward to exploring the world of plants with Boss. And we'll be following your journey. Stay tuned.